This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Uh, Back to normal uh, with a defeat this time, obviously, to Premier League Brighton. Uh, Today we're joined by the usual suspect in Dan, and we also welcome back author and Stoke fan uh, Liam Bullock. Uh, Liam, how has your week been, mate? It's been good. Um, I was a bit... I didn't feel too bad after the game yesterday, but some of the results tonight in the FA Cup, tonight being Wednesday, have kind of made me think, oh, maybe... Maybe it could have been a bit of a better week. Yeah, mate, I, I was exactly the same as you. I, I came away from that game and I just thought, you know what? I've seen us play 10 times worse with 10 times less effort and just coming away deflated. But with that game, I came away thinking, you know what? We we did what we could do. The quality difference was clear to see. Uh, it's, I mean, we'll get into the game in a bit more in a minute, but, you know, you... The contrast between the two teams was, was stark. Um, but Dan, uh, how's your week been? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I've had a good week. Um, as I say week, it's, with a minute, it feels like we're talking every other day. <laughs> well, I was going to say, this, but, um, we said earlier in February, we released like seven podcasts or something, haven't we? Something crazy. I think probably more than that. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a good week. Um like I say, it's a bit frustrating, if nothing, that we've seen the, the draw tonight and who this is what you could have won. Uh, you know, home, home tie against Grimsby to win it when he goes to Wembley in FA Cup semi-final. That would have been very nice, wouldn't it? But hey-ho, what can you do? We I think we didn't disgrace ourselves and you know, we'll get into it in a minute, won't we? But yeah, like you say, there's plenty of effort there and that's all you can ask for, really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. It was nowhere near as bad as a result I expected. But before we get into all that, um, obviously it was a seven fifteen kickoff, which meant that for a lot of people, including myself, uh, we basically had to go straight from work straight to the stadium. Um, now, I wanted to ask both of you out of interest: Do either of you buy food in the stadium, uh, either before the match or half time? Typically, um, it's been known. <laughs> it's one of them. Obviously, usually it's the the kids that want some chips or whatever. Or sometimes, yeah. if I try, if I do try and get it outside because it's a little bit better food, a little bit cheaper. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be I'd, the I'd... same. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd be the same as Dan. I think typically no, but if I was 
a bit peckish, I might grab something outside the ground. Okay, yeah, okay, fair enough. Because, but the, the reason I'm asking this is, I mean, again, because of the time, uh, but what, what, what I was in a scenario of is I hadn't eaten all day. Josh was hungry as well. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'll you know, treat him to some food. And I was, I was thinking back to the previous game when, you know, it was, let's face it, it's all very over, overpriced food, isn't it? The stuff that we actually sell leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, the hot chocolate was like a tasteless dishwater. It was the worst hot chocolate I've ever tasted in my life. Now, the chips were minimal, the bland. I mean, I know we can kind of go, oh, you know, it's Stoke or, oh, it's a football event. You can kind of expect it. Now, Everyone's seen that Twitter page where there's food being shared from various grounds, and some of it is absolute gas, ghastly, horrible stuff. But then you see sometimes, you know, like chips and curry, you you see these various different things, and it it makes you realize how crap we are um, at food. Um, Now, this time, I I, I thought, well, I'm not going to be caught by that again. I came straight from work, got to the ground, and I did what Dan's just mentioned. I went to one of the food vans. And I tell you right now, the food quality was 10 times better than what we have inside that stadium. Now, I'm not talking gourmet. You know, we, we know what we're going to expect. Um, yeah, it was only chips and gravy and stuff like that, right? But I, I'm, I'm going to try and raise this in the next council meeting because, and I know it's not going to probably go anywhere because, well, it's while, while people are buying it, do they really need to worry about it? But um, it, it, it's just crap. It, it, it really poor. How can a food van outside of, outside the stadium be a million miles better than the crap we serve inside the stadium? I mean, is it just me who thinks well, it's a load of rubbish? The fact that we don't sell oat cakes inside the ground is criminal, really, isn't it? We really should have a local oat cake provider that can just sling a few, even if it's only like a couple hundred or anything that they can manage, really. The fact that there's no oat cakes on sale at Stoke City Football Club is really missing a trick, I think. Yeah, it's it's like you say, because people keep buying it, there's no thought, there's no sort of planning, there's no creativity in there, a bit like the team on the pitch at times. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I say it, it smacks of, oh well, it'll do. Delete it. Like rather than trying to improve that experience, and and like I say, giving people sort of better than what they've currently got. They're like, well, just tune, just keep tuning out what they've already. They, they buy it at the minute, so why do we need to? Why do they need uh, oat cakes on sale when they've got rock hard pies that have been there probably for about four games? <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, they can't go wrong with a pie because. They ain't making it. They they're just literally warming it up from Wright's pies or whatever the hell they use. Um, they can't really go too far wrong with that. But when you think about some of the stuff, I mean, the, honestly, I, I wish I could literally give you both a sample now. The hot chocolate was water, like it dreadful. And you what they charge you two pound forty or two pound eight, whatever it was. It's it's just criminal. And I think fans are just accept it. Um, and pay it now but that, that that's just my little whinge anyway people don't want to hear about that but I, I was interested to see if you guys have experienced the same one thing w- that we all definitely experience is that bloody stadium is freezing i mean we all know this but it was super cold against brighton uh and it never ceases to amaze me a different climate in that stadium but um <laughs> yeah uh anyway uh game observation wise um 
like I said, I expected us to lose. And, and Dan, I, I said to you, Dinsa, I was trying to convince Josh not to go all day. <laughs> I was trying to convince... I, I, I'm happy it's to terrible. admit that. Like, <laughs> I did not want to go at all to that game. I could not have been less interested, um, if my, which it seems like with 8,000 Stoke fans there, that everyone was of the same opinion. Um, but still, you know, stupid, blind stupidity sometimes. I went. And I'm going to start off, uh, Liam, with... Um, Somebody who actually surprised me, Jack Bonham. You know, he's coming for some uh, a lot of stick. You know, fair play, fair play to the bloke. You know, I thought he actually um, proved the point in a way that he's still got something there. Uh, good kicking, you know, point blank saves. He didn't really look out of place. So you've you've got to give him credit, haven't you, where it's due? Yeah, absolutely. I think I can't think of a better game that he's had for us. Really, um, I think he 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 did. The basics well which he hasn't always done but he also made some really important saves uh, he made a save in the second half which was given as a goal kick but was actually a very good deflected save um i think he had one hairy moment late on where he, he looked like he might do a nick pope and dive on the ball from 50 <laughs> yards out from goal but he didn't which worked out well because he wasn't punished for it and i think he deserved that bit of luck um i think we all well, we didn't. We didn't really. We couldn't really complain that he was playing because um, we had a cup-tied goalkeeper with Sarkic. So, yeah, I'm happy for him. Um, doesn't seem like a bad person, and we all want him to do well. So, fair play. I, I don't expect him to play in the league, but it's still it's nice to see a good performance out of him. Yeah, it m- makes a makes a change, doesn't it? Because he's coming for for you know stick, and and so, and so it was deserved as well for me. Um, but yeah, he, he did absolutely nothing uh, wrong. And um, I mean, Dan, a couple of, I mean, if we're thinking about the the defence here, mate, uh, you know, Ben Wilmot, Hoover, Twanzibi, Tymon. Um, I thought Ben had a, a really solid game. Um, he, he seems to always come up with a good one. He's, he's got to be high up on our man of the match polls anyway. Um, but yeah, I thought Ben Wilmot had a really good game. What, what do you think? Yeah, I thought he was he was really good and solid. I was quite excited by the uh, Wilmot Twanzibi sort of partnership there, and they they seem to really sort of click with each other. Considering it was Axel's first first start in a long, long time, he sort of drifted straight. You know, he sort of slotted, should I say, straight into the team, straight into the into the game, and and Wilmot looked at home next to him. And I thought they complemented yeah. each other really well. Um, Wilmot, tactically, he was switched on. He knew what his job was. There was numerous times, especially in the first half, where he'd sort of, as the ball was played into his his sort of man in front of him, he would get really tight to him and nick that ball away as it was coming before the player had time to take it in. Um, and he even had a couple of runs, didn't he? Sort of ventures forward himself as well. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with uh, with Wilmot. He was he was my man of the match. Um, but like I say, I think Twinsby wasn't far behind either. And if we can, if those two can stay fit, and and we we can get Axel maybe on a full time contract, then then that is a uh, exciting sort of you know exciting pairing for me. Is it fair to say though that he should have scored that header? I mean, for me, it was a pretty, it was a good connection. A bit of lack of, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't have his sat nav on hand. But uh, what did you think? Is it a bit harsh to say that he should have scored? Yeah, yeah, I think a little bit harsh. It's, it's not as if he's, 
spooned it miles away, as it? You know, it's gone straight back across and you know, it's just gone wide, hasn't it? It's not it's not as if he's like say um you know properly like spanned the connection on it or anything. So I think like I say he he was probably he was unlucky with it. Um but like I say, he's done the right thing as well. He's gone back across goal, you know, because he always got the option then of somebody else just coming to throw themselves at it and uh, knock it in. But um, on, an, on an, any, you know, 50-50 chance, any other, you know, another day that goes in, doesn't it nestles into the, into the far corner? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I mean, Liam, I think one player had a, a game of two halves, I mean, very much the definition for me, uh, Hoover, First half, that guy was so out of Excuse his depth me. that left back. I'm oh, sorry, Henry. Sorry, Henry. <laughs> yeah, I'll remember that. Don't worry. One day. Yeah. So Henry <laughs> had a game of two halves. Um, like I said, he was being caught out. I think I actually put a, a message in one of the group chats. I think it was three three times in eight minutes. Uh, they got down. Um, our, I guess our left wing. Um, and yeah, he was way off the pace, and I thought we're just going to get demolished here if this carries on. Now, in fairness, second half, he absolutely bossed it. Um, you know, his pace got him out of trouble a couple of times, but again, he clearly isn't a left back or left winger. Um, his home is on the right, isn't it? You can see that. Yeah, it, it was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance from him. Um, it looked a bit like my own robot Hoover at times, which always finds itself out of position and sort of needing help to get back on track. But um, I think, yeah, he improved second half, few important tackles, that that bit of pace just to, to get back um, and get um, ahead of the defender was really impressive. I th- he's not done too badly, actually, since he's come in, I don't think. He hasn't been brilliant, but we heard a lot of stories um, from Wolves fans about how he was, he was no good and he's trouble. Not, not a good player to have around. And I don't think we've seen that yet from him. We certainly look a bit more competent with him. Um, and I think Sterling, once again, played well and is another one that maybe if he keeps up his performances and if we can afford his contract, might be one to, to look out for at the end of the season. I mean, he was... Um, for those of us watching on ITV4, he was present throughout the game, even though he went off after an hour because they kept calling Hoover Sterling, even though he looks nothing like him. Um, but they were clueless all night, the commentators. They were too busy fawning over Brighton and not really focusing on the fact that there was another team playing. I can't say I've heard any of the IT4, ITV4 um, commentary. I have not watched the game back, and, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not going to either. Um, the only thing I have heard <laughs> that was good coming out of that uh, was the obviously the you know, the Lou kind of piece that was done beforehand. I've seen rave reviews about that, so you know, fair, fair dues to them on, on that front. But yeah, it's no more than um, as much as we we know he's Mister Stoke City. It's no no different than to a certain person on Radio Stoke who uh, you know, calls people Will Small Piece and various other things. So. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not doing any worse than him, I suppose. But he, is, Johnson, obviously. He, he is 80 <laughs> and retiring at the end of the season, though. Yeah, there's a different not today. Working you national can, television. <laughs> you can forgive Nige, can't you? I mean, yeah, you know, that, that's Nige. You, know, he's, yeah, you, can't, you can't be too harsh on him. He's, uh, he's a Stoke icon, isn't he? Um, but yeah, anyway, so moving into kind of midfield, I mean, I. I must admit, it was very difficult when I was trying to think about some notes and, and whatnot for this because I didn't think the 
the midfield did what they needed to do. Obviously, they kept passing into into the centre, and in fairness to our guys, they were on them all game. They didn't just sit back and let them have it in midfield and try and dictate the play. You know, we didn't have the problem with that though is that we didn't actually have an opportunity for them to really impact the game too much. There's one person I wanted to pick out just because he's really disappointed me since he came back, and that's Jordan Thompson. Um, he's just he's just not up to it. He's, he's, you know, he's not quick enough. He's not clever enough. Uh, in those moments in the middle where it was 100 mile an hour, you know, he needs to be quick and think quickly. Um, his set piece play was poor to say the least. Um, Dan, you mentioned this last week, mate, but I think he's um, he's probably getting close to his sell by date now. I would I'd expect. Yeah, I said I said until last week that he's, to me I, when he comes on now, I just struggle to see what impact he has on the game. Um, his defensive work isn't good enough. When you when you look at somebody like a Pearson who's come in, and you think, well, that's what we need. And you, well, yeah, Jordan Thompson, Joe's a nice guy, gets around, gets around the pitch in that. Yeah, he runs around, puts his effort in, but actually, when it comes to being disciplined and knowing that role and and doing the job that, like, say, we, Pearson showcased on on the couple of appearances he's had so far, it's night and day. So his defensive work isn't up to it, and he does. He plays pretty passes. He's, he's you know he's got that sort of that wonderful left foot. You know as is always said, as said quite often of sort of you know uh, left footed players, and he'll like I say he, he makes him like the passes he does do you. Ooh, that looks pretty. Oh, that's good. Yeah, nice. What a nice ball. But actually, when it comes to creativity and, and forward play, there's not much there either. Is is uh, Thompson at a contract, Dan, in the summer? Is he one of them? Um, I'm not 100% sure. There aren't many who are in contract, to be honest. <laughs> I, was th- I was thinking that, yeah. There's a bit of a long list. I can't keep them on the top of my head. Yeah. But uh, he can't be extended if, if that is the case, I don't think. Uh, I don't. I, I would expect that Alex Neal wants as many people off the books as he can because he can really then start to build his own team. But yeah, I think somebody said it was about six players or something that are actually contracted next year. I think he's on crazy. till I think he's on an extra year until twenty twenty four. Okay. Well, if it's just one of them, if if, if I suppose he's if one of the few survivors, a <laughs> few survivors, yeah, great. Um, we might as well just extend Sam Clucas while we're at it, shall we? Uh, but no, it, either way, I think it's going to be the case if you know if Alex turns around and goes, "Look, you're not on my plans. You're not going to play." Um, they'll probably just you know tear it up anyway if if he's got another option. Um, but anyway, moving moving further forward, uh, Liam, what, what did you think about the strike force last night? I mean, they, they were really feeding on scraps. We didn't get too far forward. Um, the one player I thought I want to bring up, and he, you know, we like him on this pod, but he got the whole stadium absolutely furious. Um, you know, in terms of like that moment, and you know, you know what I'm going to say here. He was going down the right on the second half. He's got he could got the chance to run into the box, and he stops turns on his left foot and basically kicks it into the defender. I mean, it was so frustrating. When Ty can be so bloody good, that was a bit of a mistake for me. He should have gone further into the box and either tried to square it or bloody hit the damn thing. Um, what it, was, it wasn't great, but what did you think of like Jacob and, and Ty overall? Well, yeah, I mean, I like Tyrus Campbell and I don't really want to 
defend people who criticize him because I think he's very unfairly criticized. But I think part of the reason he gets that criticism is because we all know what he is capable of. Um, I think he was a threat. I think he was our biggest threat going forward. Um, yeah. his, pre- his pressing was really good, I thought. Um, yeah. He got his shots away. Um, so, yeah, yeah, he, he didn't. He did turn back and, you know, all, all this stuff. But, you know, he's not... He's at Stoke City for a reason. Um, it's because this is probably his level at the moment. And we can't really begrudge him considering we miss him when he isn't playing at the moment. I think hey, yeah. I think Brown huffed and puffed a little bit. He tried his best to beat his man a few times, which has never really been his forte, I don't <laughs> think. Um, no. Yeah, he, he, he again, he did he, he did what Brown does. We know what, what, what he's capable of. And then I thought Lowe came on and looked like a handful. And... You know, we've only seen him for a few minutes here and there, but he already looks possibly like our next best option before Gale. Now, I would say. I don't think we've actually we don't own any of the strikers, do we? <laughs> I mean, Tezgal's going to be out for another few weeks by the sounds of it, and even then, he's got to come back into training and and get fit. I mean, I, I, I'm still I was still very surprised to see that he. I think he was he was the 86th minute. I think he got brought on, maybe a little bit earlier. I can't remember, but. Um, Still, we need an eighth and low to have 15, 20 minutes. The, it's not enough time to, to make a difference. It just feels it just feels a bit a bit wasted for him, mate. But yeah, I, I, I see your point. Nathan Lowe is you know, potentially a, a future star, uh, as is Tezgal. But beyond that, we are stuck with Gale, Brown, and Campbell. There is no yeah, there's no I, way out. I I think we you know we should be giving the minutes that we seem to be giving Sam Klukas last couple of games, perhaps to. To um to low instead, you know I know that's Sam what I Lucas thought. Yeah, is coming back from injury and building up his fitness, but he he hasn't been that good when he was fit in the last uh, couple <laughs> seasons. You know he's missed. He's, he's the John Cena of Stoke. You can't see me when he comes on. He just <laughs> seems to vanish into the pitch, and then and he turns up again. Oh yeah, I forgot he was on. Um, he's he's not the same player as when he when he had that much better season for us where he did pop up with goals in the right areas just seems like a, a strange player at the moment but neil seems to want to give him a chance do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love that you can't wait that's that great you can tell you, you can't author. see me until we're playing swansea <laughs> <laughs> although it must be the last game against swansea was invisible anyway then as well so Whatever. Um, and then we, we, you know, I think we'd be amiss not to bring up their goal. Uh, again, this was just clear as day, wasn't it, in terms of quality. Uh, you could really tell the difference. Um, they basically found a way through. They saw the gap. Sterling and uh, Twanzibi straight down the middle of both of them, uh, squared it, tapped it in, you know, standard goal, which for a Premier League team comes quite naturally. So, yeah, fair enough. Again, that happens. That is down to quality. A player seeing something, or sorry, two players seeing something at the same time, um, and we were just caught, caught a bit flat-footed. So, no arguments. It wasn't down to, down to a defensive mistake or anything like that. Um, we were just beaten by the better team. It was no no more complicated than that for me. Um, Dan, man of the match. I've got a feeling we know who this is going to be because we've been talking quite uh, uh, loudly about him. Last time I looked, I think Ben Wilmot was winning the race. So did he win in the end? He did indeed. He got 51% of the 227 votes. 
Uh, okay. So well done, Ben. That's his fourth man of the match of the season. Um, so yeah, so he got first in second place with eighteen percent of the vote was Axel Twanzebe. Uh, third third place was Jack Bonham, and then you got Hoover and Campbell. Were next the next uh, Henry, Henry, not, not Henry, Henry and Campbell. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. We'll get there eventually. We'll remember this. <laughs> I'm going to put well, next man of the match. Point, I'm going to have to put in inverted commas. Henry, who? Um, but yes, obviously that brings an end as well to March, doesn't it? So uh, our actual player of the month standings for March, because uh, we seem to have played quite a lot of games this past month. <laughs> um, but yes, who do you guys think would be your man, man of the player of the month? Shall we say? Um, oh, you know what? Forgetting anyone's man of the match, you know, prediction tables or anything like that, Will Smallbone probably. Or Josh Laurent. Or yes. Josh Laurent, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I've just been saying March, I mean, February, of course. People, <laughs> um, I just wasted, wished a month away. Um, but yeah, so our player of the month results for February. So, in third place was Dujon Sterling with 109 points. Second place was Josh Laurent with 113. And the winner with 162 points is Will Smallbone. Hey, hey. what do I win? So, who, I mean, who would have thought that, though? Who would have th- you would have thought that Will no. Smallbone would be uh, far and away the player of the month? No, I, I 100% wouldn't have done. Not, not, not a month ago. I mean, I was completely kind of against him not, not not in a way not because i didn't like the guy um he just was ineffective and i think a lot of stoke fans would have said the same but you absolutely have got you're sometimes going to go yeah fair play you've turned it round keep going um and now i think it'd be hard to to drop him in, in a match day squad and you can't drop josh Laurent. um and then ben pearson when he's fit so there's your midfield three straight away uh, and no one else is going to struggle to get in there. So, yeah, fair enough, mate. Can't can't argue with Will getting that. Um, as for player of the season, so going from the, sort of the top eight. So in eighth place, we've got Morgan Fox, two seven four. Uh, then we've got Tyrese Campbell, two seven five. Then we have Dwight Gale on two eight eight. To Jacob Brown on two ninety. Uh, Josh Laurent on 295. Bear in mind that he's had quite a bit of the season out injured. He's not done too bad there. Uh, Phil Jagielka, the ripe old age of 40, uh, taking the bronze spot at the minute with 312 points. And Will Smallbone is second on 402. And Ben Wilmot is far away at the minute on 484 points. Uh, so a healthy okay. lead, but one that Will Smallbone is actually, you know, he's took 80 points out of him in the past in the past month, so might not be over yet. Um, but again, Will yeah. Smallbone, second second in the play of the season. You wouldn't have thought that either, would you? <laughs> no, you you know you wouldn't. And uh, yeah, it looks like, to, like like Ben wants to get his hands on the every step along the way trophy, mate. So um, he, he's, he's, yeah. he enviously looked across at Josh Time and last after the game, didn't he? Last season when we give that, looked, what's that you got there, Josh? Yeah. That's mine next year. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll hopefully. Well, it might be a quite um, empty stadium uh, at that point, but yeah, we'll, we'll 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 see we'll see if Ben gets it. Um, 
Fine. I think we've kind of covered their game, unless there's anything else that you guys want to talk about before we move on. Um, I would just say tactically, I thought the effort was definitely there. I thought we the manager sat us upright. Um, he put a strong midfield out, which is what we needed. Uh, we needed an energetic, strong midfield. I thought Loren Baker um, definitely gave us that on at the front of it as well. Uh, the front three, obviously, he moved timing forward, and I mean, obviously, him, Tyrese, and uh, Jacob Brown was a lot of pace up there, which I thought we, we were going to need, weren't we? They were going to have a lot of the ball, and we needed to be quick when we did get the ball and break forward. Uh, and to be honest, one last thing I will say is that I think the game changed for me when Loren got booked because mm. he was the ball into the the ball into the midfield from their defence. Every time that Loren was snapping at his heels, making it uncomfortable yeah. for him, forcing him backwards, and then as that ball was then played backwards, that's when your front three then were were really pushing. You could tell that was the tactic and the game plan of right. Once Josh pushes up on him, as they release the ball back to the defence and have to because they've got the pressure on him there, then that's when you three really pile the pressure on and make it awkward for them at the back. When he got booked, you could see Dan put a foot in again, because obviously it was it was amazing as well. And how easy you forget and how quickly you forget how Premier League footballs like to roll around on the floor and and you know act like they've just been <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah, how different it is in the championship. Yeah, and how different it is in the championship. You forget it quite easy, quite quickly, don't you? Um, from obviously like the ten years that we had there. And I think Loren sort of quite sensibly thought, you know what, I can't afford to you know, to get another tackle wrong, or even if I get it right, but this guy's, you know, launches himself on the floor and, and the ref buys it. And I think that's the reason why he came off at half time, wasn't it? Because the game that we were trying to play, the manager needed people who could put a foot in and uh Loren couldn't at that point. And I think that's like I say, that's when we lost our momentum for me anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, fair, fair point. Uh, I thought that as soon as he got booted as well. So, yeah, interesting that you picked up on it. But, yeah, spot on. Um, Liam, anything else from your side? Uh, just that you know we've shown there we've come up against a top half Premier League team, a strong starting eleven. Genuinely, probably now think they can win this competition. We've shown that we can hold our concentration and work hard for ninety minutes. So, you know, just please, 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 please take that into the league game on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Hi, folks. I'm Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. You're listening to every step along the way and enjoy every second of it. So moving on then, uh, let's kick off, Dan, with the uh, the kind of youth and women's setups. Um, any updates on that front? Yeah, so the uh, the under 18s. So last week they had a 3 0 home win against Middlesbrough with goals from Hayder, Grogan, and Watson all in the second half. So the last four league games they've played, they've beaten Forest, Wolves, and Borough all to nil, uh, with the only defeat coming away at Man City. So they're in pretty good form at the minute. They're not conceding um, goals and winning and scoring at the other end. So yeah, yeah the under 18s are in good form. Um, and this week, they actually also play Sunderland, by the way. So they got <laughs> okay. Sunderland at home on Saturday with a 1pm kickoff at Clayton Wood. And that is Stoke fourth in the league and Sunderland are second. 
with just the Manchester clubs, Man City are top, Man United are third. Um, so yeah, four, three, second is uh, is the order of the day there at Clayton Wood. Anybody who wants to go down and watch watch the under 18s before the the first team kick off at three. Uh, the under 21s. So last week they obviously they've not been doing so well this season in the league. Have the the second from bottom, only Derby below them. Um, but they've got a lot of players out on loan, a lot of players who've been brought up to the first team, and they've got a very young side anyway. Um, so I say the uh, well last week they drew two two with Newcastle, so they nearly got a rare victory. Uh, Newcastle got an early lead. Dara McGuinness uh, got a couple of goals after half time, and then Adabambo, who's been off, who's been on the bench for the first team um, for a couple of, a couple of times recently, he got sent off with ten minutes left. And then in the 92nd minute, Newcastle got an equaliser and denied us a, a long overdue mm. three points. And this week, uh, guess who the under-21s play? Sunderland. They, they play Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> no um, way. So all three sides are playing Sunderland. Um, so, yeah, they got Sunderland away on Monday. It's a 7pm kickoff. And uh, for anybody who's up that way, maybe wants to pop along, it's at the Appleton Colliery Welfare Ground. That's what it's called. Um, so yeah, Monday seven pm kickoff. That is uh, the women. The women didn't have a game this past week, uh, but this week they do. They host Loughborough Lightning at uh, two pm on Sunday. So that's a home game again, and that's in the league. Like I say, against Loughborough Lightning on Sunday. Sure they so, don't yeah. play Sunderland. They don't play Sunderland. No, I mean unfortunately, I mean we might just have to have a word of Lou and say no. You're letting the side down here. We've got Sunderland across the board. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We'll, we'll have a word. See, see what they can do. Um, hopefully, you know the uh, the facilities won't be as bad as they were before. But let's not go down that route again. Um, <laughs> yes. All right. So interesting. It'd be nice to get a a bit of a hat trick of of Stoke wins against Sunderland. I'm not sure which team's going to let us down, but we could take a guess. Um, <laughs> Under twenty one. Positive. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I meant. Um, anyway, you've been uh, mega sleuthing again uh, this week. So last week on our low knee roundup, uh, we spoke around uh, Tashan Oakley Booth, actually. Um, well, this week, Dan's gone one better and he's got some audio from somebody that a lot of you have been wanting to to find out about, um, a certain Mr. DiMaggio Wright Phillips. So uh, we spoke to a chap from the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast, which is a great name. Uh, so, yeah, the Northampton fan uh, will have a listen to see how uh, he's been getting on at Northampton. Hey, guys. Charles from It's All Cobblers to Me here. Um, DiMaggio Wright Phillips, we were absolutely ecstatic to get that signing. I cannot tell you how excited we were when he put pen to paper and he agreed to join us on loan. It was almost like, what on earth would he want to do coming down to League Two and coming to us? I mean, fair's fair. We didn't quite realise that he'd not been playing every week, week in, week out with you. But we kind of expected that he was going to be a big deal around the place. You know, Ian Wright's grandson, Sean Wright Phillips' son, this is going to be incredible. And yet, we've probably seen about 45 minutes of him since that signing took place. It's just a bit weird from our point of view. We see him as being somebody that should just want to take on attackers, uh, 
we we see him as somebody that would just want to take on defenders and just go at them, and yet for some reason he's not getting the game time, which we don't really understand. There must be something there that either he's not doing in training or that the coaching team just don't see in him, or maybe it is just a case that our formation, we, we, we're we tending to play 3-5-2 with wing-backs, and maybe he's more of a winger than he is anything else, and because we're not playing with wingers, he's therefore not getting a chance, but... Why then sign him in the first place is what we're thinking about this, if I'm being honest with you. I saw him come on as a cameo appearance against Rochdale and he had about, I'd I'd say, 10 minutes at the very end of the game to show us what he had and he came very, very, very close to scoring. The goalkeeper just did incredibly well to chase him down and close him down very well so that he couldn't quite lift it over the keeper to score but the run that he made and the run that he runs that he is making whenever he comes on they're different to anything else that we've really got our wide men aren't as raw as he is and aren't as direct as he is he wants to just go for goal every single time he's an exciting player clearly He's just maybe not getting the chance just yet, which is really frustrating for us. Now everything could change in the la- now everything could change in the next couple of weeks, but there's obviously something there where John Brady, our manager, is loath to put him in from the start. I would love to see him start this weekend against Crawley, but we'll have to wait and see. He seems to be being deemed as a bit more of a super sub and he's not quite getting the game time to allow him to actually come on and affect games in a really positive way just yet. But there are signs that he is a great player, that he will be a great player in the future. I'm still amazed that you guys let us come to, uh, you know, let him come to Northampton. So... I'm really hopeful that we can have a really successful end to the season with DiMaggio either on our wing or up front in a front two. Big man, little man type pairing. That would be amazing. I'm sure he will come good. Cheers. Thanks very much. Ta-ra. Charles, thank you very much for the audio, mate. Much appreciated. So, um, yeah, so Dan, he was over the moon when he signed and I think one thing he pointed out there about him not playing uh, was the fact that they're playing with wing backs um, and he, he, he's spot on DiMaggio is no wing back um, that might quite explain why he's not playing do you think yeah although the fact they've got two up front not three I mean he said that into you is he a winger I think he's actually we've seen he's like a second striker isn't he? He's, he likes to play off yeah. a main striker and be given a bit of freedom to sort of roam around and, like you say, run at people, take people on, be exciting. And like I say, if, they, if they've signed him, surely they, they knew what they were signing. They knew that's that was his, you know, his game and what his strengths were. And sort of like he said there, if you're going to sign a player, make sure you 
why sign him if you don't know if, if he's not going to fit with how you want to play? But it sounds like he's doing his best when he does come on. It sounds like he's impacting games and creating chances. So hopefully, before long, he'll get a, you know more game time. I mean, he did get half an hour um, in mid, obviously on Tuesday night. Um, he got half an hour for Northampton, and obviously one-one. I mean, their results have dropped off since he's come in. So again, you'd think the results, you know, they the rear flying behind the automatic promotion places. They've dropped off a bit. They're not winning as many games, but he's not playing. So you'd think the manager might, you know, shove him in because goals seem to be the problem at the minute. Well, if he doesn't, I think I'd take him back here. And I'm not saying he's going to completely revolutionise our team, but we've we're not exactly rich in, you know, options at that end of the pitch right now. So could he really be any worse to bring on the bench? I, I, well, I, I think he's. He I think he can't play for us, can he? Now until next season, but. Um, yeah, it's, it'll definitely come back in the summer. I think I don't think his time at Stoke's done quite yet. Yeah, hopefully not. <clears throat> okay, fine. So um, let's move on now. Then uh, we'll move uh, swiftly on to uh, a place that I'm sure Alex Neil will not be looking forward to revisiting, um, and that's Sunderland away. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Dan, um, as we just said, Alex returns from his former club. Uh, no doubt is in for a lot of abuse. Um, I'd, I'd be shocked if he isn't. I don't think it's going to be quite, you know, Steve Cottrell level, um, but <laughs> I'm sure they'll be giving him some abuse. So, uh, should be a good one, this, don't you think? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm sort of looking forward to it. I know they they did quite well, but you know the atmosphere is going to be good for this game, isn't it? and um, mm-hmm. like so, you imagine that Neil's going to have us fired up and ready to go and. I'm sure their players, you know, a lot of their players would have been there, wouldn't they, at the start of their season, of course. So they, a lot of them are going to be fired up and wanting to prove a point. Um, as if the fact that they aren't about 10 places above us in the league hasn't already done. <laughs> um, but yeah, both sides should be wanting to get one over, I imagine, on the other. And, and Liam, are, are you looking forward to me? Are you feeling confident we'll come back to team predictions and score predictions in a minute, but uh, you feeling confident going into this, or do you think this is just going to be another manager returning to a former club um, and us ending up on the wrong side of it? Um, I mean, actually, I thought of the Steve Cottrell thing, and I thought it could just be like the Steve Cottrell thing, or maybe even worse. Steve Cottrell, of course, who left us for Sunderland, ironically. Um, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. They are definitely going to be up for it, their players. They're going to want to, you know, a bit like when we came up against Nathan Jones, suddenly players that were playing okay or average or just just well found that extra 10% and wanted to stick it to him, if you think of Powell, for example. And I think Sunderland players might be like that. And it's going to be a very fiery atmosphere. Uh, it's the start of a tough month now, isn't it? We've got several teams that are looking at the playoffs. So, confidence? Yes. No, but... You know, I'm never confident anyway. I'm a Stoke fan. 
<laughs> yeah, we've we've been there so many times this season where you win a game, you get confident, and then you think, great, everything's turned, and no, we're back again. So yeah, I I, I feel you on that one. Um, but Dan, uh, I guess one place we want to kind of uh, kick off is, of course, your stats. So how's the head-to-head looking for this week? So the head-to-head is actually quite an interesting one. So we've played 151 times. Uh, we have 47 wins, 38 draws, and quite a lot, 66 defeats. Um, at Sundown, 76 times we've played at Sundown, just the 11 victories, 19 draws, and 46 defeats. Um Jesus, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> now, we did lose the first 12 visits, though, up to Sundown. So that's probably you know, made that quite bad. As well. Like I say, we lost the first 12 visits and we had no league win in the first 22 times we went up to Wearside until 1946. So that was the first time, like I say, 22 visits up there, not one victory. Um, until we finally broke that duck in 1946. Um, obviously, the last visit there, there was a 3-1 win in 2017 when we scored a lovely team goal that gets played all over. Not enough, but we do see it every now and again, don't we, the uh, Arnautovic sort of, you know, the one-touch passing through the defence and then you just stroke oh, yeah. it down. So, yes, that was uh, scored. Like I said, that was the last time we, we visited Sunderland and uh, yeah, we got a win on that day. So, recent recent form's a lot better than uh, the <laughs> historical one in that respect. Um, our away form has us 10th in the away table with 21 points from 17 games. Uh, Sunderland's home form has them 14th in the home table with 23 points from 16 games. So, actually, we've nearly got as many points away from home as they have at home. And it doesn't look like their, I mean, their strength. I mean, we'll get onto some audio in a minute um, from Sunderland, but he's, you know, they basically say the same thing, that they're more suited and play better away from home and they struggle, actually, at the Stadium of Light. Um, so, not all bad. And recent form, um, Sunderland are ninth with seven points. Uh, and a plus two goal difference. They've scored seven, conceded five in the last five matches. Whereas Stoke are actually eighth in the form table, uh, which does surprise me. It doesn't feel like we're the eighth best team in the last five games. <laughs> yeah, um, it certainly doesn't. But we also have seven points, but our goal difference is one better. We've scored six and conceded just three goals in our last five matches. Hmm. Okay. Uh, of those three goals we have conceded, I swear that if you if you add up the minutes they were scored in, it probably barely gets to double figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me. I, th- I think it'd be interesting as well for me. I think the the fact whether I don't know if Ben Pearson's going to be fit or not. Um, I mean, if if he's fit, I, I I've got I've got a feeling he's he's probably not going to be. Um, have you heard much about Ben Pearson for this match at all? I thought he was just rested in midweek mm. like he didn't want to obviously he hasn't played and he's been carrying a knock and he didn't want to sort of give him he, let's be honest Alex Neal as much as he would have liked to have beaten Brighton I think he wants to beat Sunderland that little bit more <laughs> yeah I was, I was, I was going to say because I think this is a perfect game for him uh, you know he's he's going to have to be busy in, in, in the middle and I think it's going to be perfect so yeah he, he could make all the difference um, I think when 
those three, like I mentioned earlier, played together. You know, Pearson, uh, of course, you know, got Josh Loren and, uh, and Smallbone. They seem to work really well as a unit. So um, we need a solid midfield because this game could well and truly be won in the midfield. We need quality players who can get forward because, like I said, our strikers can't guarantee they're going to score. Um, and, yeah, I mean, looking at, like, Sunderland's team, it it looks like they still haven't got an awful lot of injuries. And although they've been struggling recently, if when I was looking at the table earlier on, I think they lost to Rotherham and Coventry in the last two games. So not exactly yeah. having a, a lot of good turns. I think their problems are more up front, aren't they? At the minute? Yeah. Um, Stewart's injured, isn't he? Yeah, so it's Ross Stewart's out pretty much for the season, I believe. Um, yeah. And then obviously... The backup to him was Elliot Sims, um, but he's been recalled anti by Ellie Sims, sorry, uh, but he's been recalled by Everton in January. So they've sort of lost the they, they played obviously with the one man up front, but they've lost the striker and the backup striker. Um, I mean they, they have brought in Joe Galhart, haven't they, from Leeds? But similar to what we've seen with like Liam Delap and that, he, he he's still quite raw. Um, what is he, 19, 20 years old? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think a lot of Sunderland's success comes from behind that. Dundee Clark, Clark's really sort of, you know, he's highly involved. He's a very different player to the Jack Clark that we saw when we had on we had him on loan. Um, and so that left wing back role you've got him in now seems to really suit him. And then obviously you've got Ahmad Diallo on your loan from Manchester United, who hopefully Axel knows a bit about and he can sort of you know get him in his pocket if he if he starts. Um, but but yeah, he's uh, he's the one I think. He's eight eight goals and two assists, I believe, this season. So he's the main man for Sunderland um, when it comes to actually you know getting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly that. Um, so keep them quiet. We should be okay. Um, I think we were after Ross Stewart as well. I'm pretty sure he was one of the main targets for us. Uh, I think this well. This, this obviously this window's come and gone, but I think this season was never going to happen. But I know he's very, uh, I think he's very much high on that list for us um, in the summer, and we actually have some money to spend. So Poor maybe, bloke. yeah, Poor but there's bloke, another striker we can ruin. <laughs> our our injury jinx. It doesn't even have to. We don't even have to sign the player anymore. We just have to be linked with them and he's out for the season. <laughs> well, I said to you the other week, right? If we want to sign a striker. We will sign an injured one, and there we go. Done. Um, anyway, so Liam, have a think about your uh, your team. I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about your team for for the weekend. Um, I have mine ready to go. I normally Dan, I normally come to you and ask you for yours, but I'm going to cheat so you can copy off me for once. Um, so I'm going to go four three three. I, th- I don't think he's going to change it too much. You won't be surprised by the defence. I don't think. Um, so we're going to start kitchen goal. And then I'm having the full uh, fullbacks, the wing. Uh, let's try that again. The two fullbacks are going to be uh, Morgan Fox and Sterling. I still don't think Josh Timon's ready. I, I don't think he's a fullback for a start, but um, still, I don't think he's probably going to be picked over Fox. He's a better bloody fullback than Morgan Fox. He is, he is. <laughs> but, you know, again, he's not quite fit yet. And I just think he's... This is what I think he's going to do rather than what I would do, put it that way. Um, so, yeah, middle three, I've just told you who they are. Smallbone, Loren and Pearson. Um, and you won't be shocked by the strikers either because we've got no other choice. So it's Gale, Brown and Campbell. I, I, I'm struggling to see a, a stronger team than that. 
personally. Like I said, yeah, Tymon, yeah, of course he could he could come in for Fox. Um, I think Jags could very well come back in, but I'd, I've just got a feeling now after Wilmot and Axel had a really good game in midweek. I just think this is the perfect time for them to maybe strike up a bit of a partnership and let's test out the waters for, you know, could this be the defensive next season, potentially, minus Morgan Fox, of course. So, Dan, uh, what have you gone for? Any major changes to that? Um, no, you had Wilmot Twanzibi, didn't you, as your centre-backs? Yeah. Yeah, so I've got the same same goalkeeper, same back four, same midfield. Uh and oh no, sorry, I I've got Josh Time at left back. That's the only difference I've got from your side. Um I've got Nathan Lowe on the bench with the um preface that he would like I'd like to see him get 15, 20 minutes. I think the two games that he's come on, uh long term, I would say Emre Tesgel has he's done more at youth level than Nathan Lowe. He's got more sort mm-hmm. of international honours. Um, he's obviously been the poster boy for Stokes Academy and he is sort of one step ahead when it's been in the junior and the youth ranks. First team wise, I think Nathan Lowe is physically there. And I think that was the point I was making before where people were screaming for Tesco to be playing. He hasn't physically come on and done it. Like when he's where he looks like a boy playing a man's game sometimes, doesn't he? And I know that last, the last time that Emre did play, we, I did say to you, didn't say that I thought he'd, he'd um, shown how what a clever footballer he is because he started to find space and he'd realised that that actually his game and he couldn't physically match up, so he had to find little pockets of space and get himself on the ball when he's got time and everything. Nathan Lowe seems to be a different kind of player. He's one now who can go in and he can harass defenders. He can he can put his weight around with them. Um, he can sort of like say challenge for headers, hold the ball up. And I think he to me needs 15, 20 minutes because Dwight Gale is he's he's not doing it, is he? Let's face it. He's not scoring no. goals. He's putting the effort in. He's you know, there's no no um complaints on that level. It's just not happening for him. And we've got an opportunity here in these last 12 games here. You know, once we get two, you know, two more wins, I say once we get two more wins, like we can just like we just <laughs> buy them in really easy to come by as Stoke. But you know, a couple more wins and we're probably safe for the season. And we've got an opportunity here to really give these two young lads, when Emery's back fit as well, some proper game time and some proper experience to give a good judge and a good indicator of what we need to do with them going into next season. Do they need a loan out in League One? Do they need a loan out in League Two? Are they championship ready? Are they promotion contenders for the championship ready? Because that's what we want. And I think, like I say, I'd like to see Logan at 15, 20 minutes with a preface that if he does well, then you can start getting more minutes each week until he's actually maybe even starting games in you know three or four or five weeks' time. Um, so yeah, he needs to be on the bench. Obviously, you've got Jags, Fox, Taylor, Bonham, Thompson, Baker. They aren't included in this side, so you, the bench is now looking a bit healthier, a bit stronger, a bit more experienced than it has been in recent weeks. Um, who, Henry, for me, is unfortunate that he's going to miss out because of the loanee situation. Um, and obviously the other loanee is against Selena. He's probably going to be unfortunate. But after a bright start, he's not really... Um, I know he's not been very well, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for now. 
Um, but in the last couple of games when he's come on, he's not really got involved or done anything no. for me. Um, so in the situation we are in with Deloney, he's unfortunately going to be after one miss out. Um, yeah, he's been invisible, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Like you say with Twanzibi, though, it wouldn't surprise me if Jagielka did come in when you bear in mind that Axel's, that's his first start in, is it over 12 months, I believe? Is he had a, he's had a pretty long-term injury, hasn't he? It, it all probably depends on him on his recovery over like 24, 48 hours after after Tuesday's game. You know, is he in a fit state to play another 90 minutes, or does he? You know, are we going to risk him doing it, getting another you know bad injury or whatever? Uh, it may just need to handle him and kick gloves for the next two or three weeks while we ease him back into playing and starting matches. Okay. All right, fair enough. And and Liam, uh, any major changes? Have you got a, a particular preference in team between me and Dan? Um, well, I, I've also gone for time and left back. And <laughs> I, I did I did go for low to play because I think for one thing it would be nice to have a possible option to bring off the bench that might change the game. And like we said, if there was ever a game where Gale might want to do something good for us. He was at the League Cup final at the weekend in the Newcastle shirt, so perhaps he gives gives that little bit of extra effort um, against Sunderland. Um, so for that reason, he could start. But I would give Low an hour. Let's see what he can do. Dan's been calling out for Gale to finally be the game. This week is the game, and this you know he's he's scored five against this team in the, in the last five games, and he just even even had a shot on target. So. Um. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you're a bit closer than, uh, than that. Um. And before I get all, all your guys' uh, score predictions, let's first hear from Mr. Graham McGarry. Get his prediction first, and then we will give ours. So, uh, Graham, I think he went one nil against Brighton. I think one nil to Stoke. Sorry, yeah, to Stoke against Brighton, if I remember rightly. Um. And I'm sure Dan will correct me when he checks during this audio. But um, let's see what he's gone for this week. Hello there once again, you Potter's predictors, as we keep this uh, busy period going with more predictions coming for the weekend's game away, of course, at the Stadium of Light, where Alex Neal will surely be wearing his earmuffs and his earplugs as he heads back to the team that he left, of course, to come to the Bet365 to take over Stoke City. Well, after a hard-working effort in midweek in the FA Cup against Premier League side Brighton, Stoke returned now to the Championship, hoping to get some more points on the board so they could quickly move towards a mid-table finish by the end of the season. Never easy going to Sunderland, no matter when you go and who you play, because it's an intimidating ground with a passionate set of supporters. And Stoke know they have to bounce back from the little setback that they had in midweek, but many, not many people were expecting them to turn over Brighton, but there'll be one or two people going up to the northeast hoping that Stoke can get those three points and bring them back to Stoke-on-Trent from Sunderland. Can they do it? Very tough call. I'm not sure they can. I'm going to disappoint the Stoke fans this weekend. I'm going to go for a Sunderland win. Sunderland won, Stoke nil. Cheers, Graham. So yeah, you've uh, we've broken you again. Uh, so uh, one nil win to Sunderland probably actually aren't going to be all that far off. Um, I am punting. I don't know why I'm doing this because I, I I want an update on the league table. By the way, Dan, because I'm pretty sure I predicted a Brighton win. 
Um, but before you give me that, if you have got it, uh, I'm going for a 2-1 Stoke win at the weekend, actually. I don't think Sunderland are all that good. Um, as long as we don't concede in the first 15 minutes again, I think we'll have enough kind of quality to win it. I'm going to go for a rare goal from Will Smallbone, and I think Tyrese Campbell will, uh, will score our other one. Not quite sure why, but we haven't exactly got much quality up there, so why not be Tyrese? Um, Liam, score prediction, what are you going for? Well, I was thinking about how we don't seem to do well when we have more possession than the opposition. Um, I don't know if you saw the result from the big Scottish Championship clash last night between Dundee and Partick Thistle. No. But the away team Partick won the match 3-1. They had a massive percentage of 9% possession. What? Wow. 9%. So I don't know if our own proud Scotsman Alex Neal has been watching that game on repeat all week to try and replicate that <laughs> performance. Partick, by the way, do have the nickname the Jags, so that's no coincidence, is it? Should be taking inspiration from this. I don't know if you want to make the Scottish Championship roundup a regular feature on the show, but just just let me know if you do. Um, so there's winning games though, Liv. I don't want to win a game with nine percent possession. I'll pass, thank you. <laughs> I do. Oh. Um, well, I don't think we're going to win three-one though. Um, I think I'm going to go for a hard for one-one. Um, I'm going to say Jacob Brown's going to get a goal. Are we going to score first or are they going to score first? We're going to score first. Yeah, that's probably the only way we're going to get some out of it, let's be honest. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Dan, score prediction? I've gone for 1-1. One, one. Um, oh, Tyrese, Cam- Tyrese Campbell scoring. Mm, copy so- it again, are we? So this is quite interesting here because you've gone for a win, I've gone for a draw, and Graham's gone for a defeat. So someone's picking up points. Yes. Have you got the league table uh, updated yet? I have. Uh, so opposition fans have got twenty-three. Opponents fan who comes on. Uh, you've got thirty-seven, and me and Graham, I've got forty. What? That's a fix. <laughs> nah, I'm not having that. I know. Axel Tunzibi would have you would have dropped two and I'd have picked seven up if Tunzibi had nestled that header in the far corner and made it one one on Tuesday. I knew there was a reason he didn't score. He's a good <laughs> lad, isn't he? He, he, he? Just as he was going up for that header, he thought, "Oh, podcast." Oh, damn, missed it. Um, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's now listen to the Sunderland camp. So uh, a friend, Matthew, from the Roker Report has kindly popped us over his thoughts ahead of the weekend. Um, not having a bad season, Sunderland, overall, I guess. So he might be a, a happy bunny, I think. Yeah, so in terms of the season so far, I think we've all been pleasantly surprised. I think coming up from League One, the first thing to do is obviously stabilise. But I think we've realised that we can actually compete with quite a large proportion of the division and then competing for the playoffs has actually been you know I don't think anyone really expected it so soon so that's been quite nice losing Ross Stewart I think it's made a lot of fans sort of feel given the fact we haven't replaced them like we're not gonna quite make it we might fall just short but to be honest I think if you'd asked me at the start of the season where I want to finish I would have taken 21st, given that, you know, we didn't really know how good the championship was going to be if the players we had were going to step up. So I think the fact that we're sitting where we are now in with a chance of the playoffs, you know, we can't really complain at that, given we're still a promoted League One side. 
In terms of the style of play, I think, you know, Sunderland are pretty much on the floor passing football. We've got quite a lot of technical players. You know, a lot of the people we're recruiting right now tends to be your ones who are, you know, willing to receive the ball, can turn, make something happen. We don't have a lot of height in the team, which is a bit of a hindrance. You know, we're not really a team who are going to look to go long, especially now, given that, again, we don't have Ross Stewart, we don't have Ellis Sims, who was recalled. Joe Gelhard's quite a small striker, and the trio behind him, Jack Clark, Ahmad, Patrick Roberts, you know, it's not their game to be going long. Not, not necessarily always in behind as well. I think they're all players who quite like the ball to feet. They like to do little give and goes, or in Jack Clark's case, be dribbling. So I think in terms of style, Sunderland are pretty much a team who are going to want to dominate possession, get the ball of those dangerous trio of players behind Gelhard and just try and make things happen. I think Sunderland's most dangerous players are that three players who will probably line up behind Gelhard. You know, you've got Ahmad, I think he's on around eight goals so far this season. He's pretty much settled and proved that he's a class above the championship. I think it's you know, it's probably unlikely that Sunderland will go up by the playoffs. I think this will be Ahmad's only season here. I think he probably is warranted a move higher up, probably alone to a lower end Premier League club. Technically, I think he's above the championship. You know, his little shifts, his little turns, he can score goals. He's very, very good. Patrick Roberts as well, I think we found a player who looked as though his career was spiralling. We've managed to sort of rehabilitate him, get him back on track. His confidence is through the roof. He's making things happen game on game. And Jack Clark as well. He's he's quite a weird player, Jack Clark, as in he's one of those. He can be running, get tackled, and you're thinking, oh, he'll probably have to come off. He's not really making things happen. But then he always seems to come up with a goal or an assist. You know, his numbers this season are very good. So I think those three are probably the main players to be wary of. Going the other way, the partnership of Danny Bat and Dan Ballard has been excellent lately. Those two, you've got a nice blend of experience and aerial dominance in Danny Bat. And then Ballard, who's just an all-round very good footballer. You know, he's tidy on the ball. He's happy to step in. He's got a bit of pace. He, he quite likes the 1v1 duels. I think he's been a very good recruit. We were lucky to obviously snatch him away when his move to Burnley fell through. So I'd probably say they're probably the players that Stoke will have to be wary of, but definitely going offensively, it's them three players behind Gelhard who I would look out for. I think with Alex Neal, every from what I remember, everything sort of for me it felt like a surprise. I remember seeing that he was the favourite for the Stoke job and thinking, why would he really go to Stoke when our project's on the up and Stoke have the problems financially, da 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 I know obviously your owners very well off but I know you had the issues with FFP and I kind of thought I don't see the attraction when you know he's just got Sunderland up but on the other hand it appears he got a better contract I think the thing that bugged a lot of Sunderland fans was the fact that he went I wasn't backed which you know when you look at what we spent who we brought in and where we are now I don't think that's evident at all I think the issue was for me in my opinion that Alex Neal if you look at a lot of the targets we were linked with, you know, you likes John Ruddy, Cyrus Christie. I think Alex Neal wanted more experienced heads through the door that he felt would give him the best chance to get Sunderland, you know, into the playoffs with the best chance of going up. But the club were sort of moving in a different direction as in the agenda is that we want to get in young players, develop them up, whether they go further with Sunderland or they get sold on to the Premier League or elsewhere. 
And I, I think that was maybe where he felt he wasn't backed, as in he felt the targets he wanted, which he thought would succeed, the club didn't want to go for. They wanted to go for these younger players. So I think that left a sour taste, as in, you know, we spend quite a lot of money on players like Jack Clark. That was four million going up to ten million. I don't think he wasn't backed. I just felt he didn't agree with the project. And I I wish in hindsight that he just said Sunderland are going in a direction that I can't see myself being a part of and I think Stoke's a better project for me. And I think maybe he would have got more respect from Sunderland fans. He was just more honest. But I think that came across as a bit of an excuse. Because if you if you look at how we've done this season, obviously Stoke may well beat us on Saturday, but positions now we're higher in the table. It seems like he left a very good project here to go to one that, you know, Stoke may well be fit and firing to go financially next season and make a challenge. But it seems like to us that he chose a worse project. But it's one of those where time will tell. But like I say, I just wish he'd been honest about the process and it just left a bit of a sour taste in how he left. So lastly, in terms of prediction for the match, I can see Stoke coming up with an approach that's going to be pretty solid. They're going to make it hard to break down. Neil will know that Sunderland aren't the best at home. I think when our style's more suited to sort of going away where teams are maybe a bit more open. So I think you'll look to obviously frustrate the crowd, try and have a goal on things like set pieces and just keep it solid to neutralise the players such as Ahmad, Roberts and Clark. Um, I can see this game being a draw. I think I can see Stoke scoring. I think it'll help that Neil obviously will know the players inside out. But I think given your players will naturally, given your league position, be quite low on confidence, I can't see you keeping a clean sheet. So I'll probably go with a one-all draw for my prediction. So, Matthew, clearly they've all been copying off you. Uh, so, yeah, cop-outs, both of you. Uh, so, 1-1 one, one draw. Um, I'm looking forward to being the only one who picks up points, if I'm honest with you, at the weekend. I'm quite um, happy. I'm quite happily let you pick up points if you're uh, having a Stoke, a Stoke win as opposed to my draw. I'll submit my draw to your win. That's fine. Well, it's about time because you've like, you've picked it, I think, like twenty six wins or something this season. But pretty 28, ridiculous. Twenty eight, actually. Twenty eight. <laughs> so yeah, we'd be we'd be showing Burnley up at, the, at that rate. So uh, yeah, about time I I, I got my crown back. Um, I think. Um, now before we move on to things like Super Six and Gaffer, uh, Dan, referee, how are we looking for this weekend's game? Well, the Simpson is back in. Jeremy Simpson. Uh, 20 games he's ref this season. He's given, handed out 89 yellows, one red, and awarded five penalties. Uh, his 17 championship games have seen four home wins, seven draws, and six away wins. So he's definitely not a homer. Quite different to the ref we had you know, on Tuesday night, who had a four-to-one home win ratio, didn't he? Which didn't do us any good on the night, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> he's not he's not ref Stoke this season. Uh, and he has ref Sunderland twice, twice at the Stadium of Light, both games ending in a draw. So they had a 2-2 draw with QPR and a 0-0 draw with Blackpool. Um, two teams who are actually struggling down the bottom end of the league. So not fantastic draws either, really, are they, for Sunderland, those? Um, he re- he's ref Stoke on 14 occasions during his career, giving us 25 yellows. No reds, uh, no penalties against us, but he has given us one penalty 
uh, awarded as one penalty and sent off two opponents in that match. So, yeah, not too bad. Uh, we've got five wins, three draws, six defeats uh, from those 14 games. He's ref Sunderland on 10 occasions, given them 23 yellows and given them two red cards. He's given them one penalty, given one penalty against them, um, as well as one red card for an opponent. Uh, but they've only won two of their 10 games when he's refed five draws and three defeats. He's also refed eight times at the Stadium Alliance, two home wins, two away wins, and three draws. Seven games, sorry, not eight. Hmm, okay. And I don't suppose you had time to look at when the last time we went a whole season without a red card. I do bring it up on a regular basis, but I'm, I, 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 we need to find that out because it cannot be a common occurrence. I will I will definitely find that out. Now, now we've actually got um, no no uh, midweek match. I can fill my time by doing by having a search for that. When was the last time we went a whole season without having a red card? Yeah, pr- pretty uh, pretty mad. I mean, we've we've got a number of people. The question is, who... the question is, do I wait until after we play Sunderland, <laughs> or do I spend? <laughs> All the, all day looking for that information for us to then get a man sent off against Sunderland on Saturday. That would be a bit of sod's law, in fairness, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've, we've not really come close to it either in terms of, like, triggering loads of automatic reds. I mean, we've, we look at, like, the players who have had... Well, the, the most Eddie players had is six yellows this season. Uh, Baker's had six. Uh, Brown's had six. So like Jordan Thompson's had five. Don't know how he's managed to do that with his game time. Um, Liam Delap had six. <laughs> That's crazy, Liam Delap. Liam Delap just came on and kicked people there, didn't he? That was his, his way of saying, yeah. I'm here, boys. Come on, let's have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, hmm, okay. Um, and then there was a scattering of others. But yeah, please find that out for us, mate, because I'd love to know what the odds are. Might, might, might contact Bookies and see what the odds are to not get sent off for the rest of the year. Probably a bit late now, but... Um, Tell you what we need in there, Liam. We need a Pottery's Derby. That'll get the red cars flying. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> These is, players... That, that was one know. thing. Yeah. I mean, is, is there a history in that fixture? I mean, people know... Um, it'll come to life, won't it, why, um, your, your knowledge, why you've got such a good knowledge of of that fixture um, shortly, but why is, is there a history of red cards in the state of Vale? I can't think of me off the top of my head. Not really, not not in um, you know the nineties and two thousands. There was plenty of tackles that would now get a red card for sure. Probably <laughs> deserved one at the time, but um, no um, referees just letting them go. It's a derby. Get on with it. Get up. <laughs> uh, right. not, not like the old firm then. Well, they have one, one a week. <laughs> Morelos every time. <laughs> Adrian Daffy playing Celtic games off sent off, does he? <laughs> okay, lovely. Um, so I must admit, I was feeling very confident coming into tonight's pod. I looked at my Super 6 earlier on and realised that I was um, flying ahead. I was on 11 points thinking, yeah, great, I'm going to be ahead of Dan. Literally, this was like five minutes from the end of the games. And I look at it now and I've got eight points. And Dan, you, I believe, scored 11. Is that about right? That is bang on correct. Great. Uh, so you are 59th with 272 points. And I am climbing even ever up. I'm now on 231. 
So, yes, I'm 41 points behind. I've been here before, though. I was 41 points behind the other week, and I got it down. Then you took about seven or eight off me, didn't you, last week? Um, but, yeah, one name I am. I mean, I don't know if, he's, uh, if he'll be listening to this podcast, but Andy Blinston, you have not filled it in for weeks, and I'm about to overtake you. <laughs> I'm only six <laughs> points behind now, Andy. Um, um but yes, one, two, and three is Luke Jones with three six five. Ben Dawson uh, has jumped up into second place on three five four, and then we've got two, joint third place of Luke Higgins and Carl Warburton on three five three. Uh, Matt Robinson and Nick Green are both on three five two, so two points separate second to sixth. There, there's a very tight. A certain N Powell in ninth place three four four. <laughs> Who's he? He's got time to be super six. <laughs> <laughs> he's got no, yeah, he's got plenty of time to do that. He doesn't nap all else. So rude. <laughs> <laughs> but so true. Uh... <laughs> when he comes back and starts banging goals, and you, you, I'm going to remind you of this when you and you're saying sign him up, give him a new contract. What a player, best in the league. Well. When he starts doing that for Accrington Stanley, he can get his new contract, no problem whatsoever. No one else will want to sign him. Um, fair enough. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you can tell I'm, I'm done with him. I really am. Can't, can't be asked to speak to speak about him anymore. Speak to him. Him. No, <laughs> no, no alone, not go interested. Away. <laughs> if he if he rang this pod up right now and says want to speak to you, like no, go away, mate. Do one. Um, so Liam. we'll speak to him, won't we, Liam? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Only because you've got nothing better, nothing else better to do. <laughs> Ask him how he's feeling. Well, not tired is the answer to that one. Um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, although I get sidetracked with funny little things like that. So, uh, gaffer-wise, Dan, I think you might have extended your lead over me a little bit uh, in the last week. I have indeed. Uh, first of all, Jack Curran is still leading the way. He's now, what, 2,802 points. Uh, Pookie Blinders up to second on 2,637, so quite a gap, uh, to be honest. And then third is at Stoke Gaffer with 2,614. Uh, I am in 20th place with 1,853 after scoring 88 points this week. You scored 67 points to sit 30th with 1,746. Um, do you know where you are, Liam, in this table? No it's idea. High up, isn't it? You were quite high up. I remember seeing your name up there. Uh, I believe you probably dropped off a little bit. Have you? Have you? Uh, have you given up on Gaffer? Yeah, but maybe I should uh, revisit it if I'm doing. You were doing well. You you were doing really well. You're now forty third with one five six one. Um, Barcel oat cake. I like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've noticed who I've got um, in my team at the weekend, Jack Clark. So I'll keep him in. <laughs> I think. I think I also have. To, yeah. Oh no, I haven't got any Sunderland players in mine. I ditched oh, them Jack. all. I did have Clark. Maybe, maybe we should go for triple points this week because he might score a couple. We'll see. Oh, um, such a traitor. Don't want to go down. Try to talk you son out of going to watch the game. Guy <laughs> trip, triple captain in opposition players in fancy football. 
<laughs> what this club does to you, it really does. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, have we got any quizzes this week, Dan? You do. We do have a quiz. Eight questions, all about Sunderland. Oh, great! I'm rubbish. Come on, Liam. You better be doing some research. These ones are easy. Which defender left Stoke for Sunderland before returning after one season in 2008? There we go. See, I told you it was easy. Time face the question. Uh, question number two. Higgy joined originally from Southampton. So his first spell at Stoke, he came from Southampton. His second spell, he came from Sunderland. Who else in the noughties did that same career path? Rory Delap. Yes. Yeah. So, no, so... He joined Stoke twice, first wow. time from Southampton, second time from Sunderland. Kenwin Jones. Kenwin Jones, correct. Kenwin. Now, between 2006 and 2010, we signed eight different players from Sunderland. Apart from the two we just mentioned, can you name three of the other six? Dean Whitehead. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, oh, you did just say one as well. <laughs> okay, Rory de Lapp. Yeah. <laughs> and Liam Lawrence? Yep, so Liam Lawrence and de Lapp joined in 2006. Um, Iggy Bot was 2008. Whitehead was 2009. Kevin joined in 2010. There was another signing in 2009 along with Whitehead. And there was two players who joined in 2007, both on loan they were. The season we got promoted. One of them never actually played. Oh, it was the goalkeeper, was it? Full up? Yeah. So there's full up. Um, the other one was ex Liverpool defender. He was a defender, no. Uh, Stephen Wright. Steve Wright. I have no memory of him at all. And then 2009 with Dean Whitehead, another, another defender uh, joined Brazilian. Oh, Danny Collins. Yes, Danny Collins. Uh, so, yes, they were the, the eight players we signed in four years from Sunderland. <laughs> Pules was just like, he looks good in red and white stripes. Get him in. <laughs> Do the deal, Scolzi. Get him in. <laughs> Obviously, had somebody on speed dial at Stadium of Light, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. You know, you nicked our manager back in the day and then you made me take the job here. Well, <laughs> I want these players. Uh, question number four. Who scored a late double to help us beat Sunderland 3-2 in 2011? Fuller? No. Oh, late double. So we were 2-1 down, 10 minutes to go, and this guy came up and scored twice, including an injury time winner. Hmm. Oh, it's tricky, that. Huh? Robert Hoof. It was Robert Hoof. Um, yes. German youth. Yeah. Um, so another defender uh, scored a brace to help us to a 2-1 league cut win at the Stadium of Light in 2014. Can you remember who that was? Mark Muniesa? It was Mark Muniesa. Good lad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, our last trip to the Stadium of Light saw us win after being 3-0 up within a half an hour. Now, 
they, they, we have mentioned this goal earlier on, didn't we? The team goal where there was all the one-touch passing went through the defence. Now, can you, in your mind, remember that goal and tell me, uh, starting with Arnautovic, there was two Stoke players he passed to. He won. He did one-twos with two Stoke players. Can you remember who those two Stoke players were? Stephen Island. Hang on. I think the wrong game here. Maybe so it was in 2017. Okay. Hmm. Oh, Crouchy Crouch was the second one, and there was Crouch is the one who was inside the box. He did a one two yep. before he scored. There was another player who was like on the edge of the D. We played into the ball and got the ball back from Shakiri. It was Shiran Shakiri. Oh, great. Oh, yes. On out of it to Shakiri, back to Arnie, to Crouch, back to Arnie, smashed in it. <laughs> the near post, keep got no chance. God, it's upsetting just thinking about those times now. Um, it is. So let's move on. Question number seven. <laughs> Um, what position did Steve Cottrell take when he quit Stoke in assistant manager? Assistant manager <laughs> to which manager? Can you remember? Um, it Wilkinson. was Howard Wilkinson, yeah, it was indeed. And the final question is Sunderland went down on the season, you know, the aforementioned 3 1 victory we just spoke about, they went down that season. But which member of their squad then scored the goal to relegate Stoke 12 months later? Ah, Patrick Van Arnold, wasn't it? It was indeed, Patrick Van Arnold. And that is your quiz for this week. Hey, we did all right well there. Well, I said Liam did all right there. Ah, we I, did okay. I think you got, you got all of them. Every single one. Well done. Well, hey, you can come back. <laughs> you are always welcome back, mate. We, we, um, I don't even know who this Andy person was, to be honest. You, you can, <laughs> you, you, you can come anytime. Thank you. Welcome. Um, but yes, this isn't the uh, only time we have spoken, is it, Liam? We have got something else to uh, for people to listen to coming out on Monday. Yeah, we're going to talk about the new book that I have coming out, El Ceramico: The Story of the Pottery's Derby. I oh, love love the title. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's going to be out on Monday. Um, so basically, it just delves into the book, mate. And do you want to give us a brief, um, just like overview of, of what the book's about? Obviously, I know obviously the, the Pottery's Derby, but what what's what's in there? Yeah, well, it, it kind of takes a bit of a timeline that jumps around a bit between games. Um, obviously, we haven't played Vale on a constant basis since we started playing football in the nineteenth century. So we have these different time periods where we've played them, where we haven't played them. A bit about the city of Stoke-on-Trent, some discussions with fans of both sides, um, some information on players that have played for both clubs, managers that have made the the changeover, and a little bit of a retrospective of what the Potteries Derby means to to Stoke fans and Bale fans of different ages and backgrounds. Well, I'll say... um... I'm sure, like I say, you, you, it's your, your second book into your first one. We, we, we've read and we, we spoke about last year with, um, it was, it was on the, sort of the Icelandic era. Once it's you know, twinned with Reykjavik. 
Yeah. Um, which people can still get now as well. You know, well worth getting if you, know, you want something to read. It's it's a brilliant, um, like I say, book about a very entertaining time at the club. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm sure everyone will say enjoy this just as much as they did that one, mate. So yeah, if everyone wants to, um, like I say, we haven't got a game on Tuesday or Wednesday next week, but we will have a, a Monday podcast for you. It'll be as uh, like I say, going over that the uh, the new book El Ceramico. Ace, all right, lovely. Cheers, boys. Um, well, that pretty much does this for uh, this evening. Then, so uh, let's hope we can uh, bring three points back from the stadium alliance. It would be nice, like you say, Dan. I think if we we win this one, uh, we will find three points from somewhere else, um, and that should secure us for another season. And obviously, it helps if Reading get a points deduction as well, but. That is a conversation for another night. And uh, so, Birmingham. Yeah, and Birmingham. Uh, so, <laughs> Liam, uh, as as we've said, mate, thank you uh, again for joining us. Uh, we'll very much have you back on whenever you want. Um, Dan, we'll have you just because, well, we've got no choice. So um, we will catch you all very, very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.